On today's episode, I want to start with a question. What do you think when you hear the word car dealer or car salesman? Or whatever it is, your mind might just be changed after you hear today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to episode nine of the One Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Our mission at One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and to live your life on purpose. Guys, I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor today, The Brooks. The Brooks at Weatherford is a wedding chapel and event venue tucked among the rolling hills just outside of beautiful Fort Worth, Texas. Whatever your event, small or large, wedding day or corporate gathering, The Brooks at Weatherford will provide the most beautiful atmosphere for your special day. Make sure to check them out at thebrooksatweatherford.com. Guys, today's episode is so amazing. It's so good. And you're going to hear from the one, the only, Carrie Curry. He is, gosh, an amazing, amazing man. He's a successful entrepreneur and he's a fourth generation car dealer. And man, he is unbelievable. Loves God, loves his family, is making a huge impact in that community. And he's a huge success. We are so excited for you to hear from Carrie today. Yeah, he's just one of the most solid, generous, wise, and humble men you'll ever encounter. And he has every reason in the world not to be humble (laughs) because he's been so successful. But I really think that's one of the keys behind his success because he is so humble. And he just loves and honors and he serves not only his customers, but his employees and the entire community around him. Yeah, so at the end of this episode, one, you're going to (laughs) just smile. You're going to be smiling and excited about life. And you're going to feel like you made a brand new best friend. And I believe we're all going to walk away from this better. So without further ado, here's Carrie. Uh, that's that's great, guys. I appreciate this. I'm humbled. I'm truly Oh, oh man. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's our honor for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think you just embody <laughs> what we're trying to do, this whole idea yes. of one life. This you know? one life thing is, is huge. It, yeah. It, it is. Taking risks, dreaming dreams, and living your life on purpose. I love it. Yeah, so it's great to be with you, Chris, and excited to be able to talk with you and Jenny. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Jenny and we were kind of running through our dream list of people we'd have on the podcast. And I said, man, I would love it if we could get Carrie on here because your life and what you've represented and the town of Bloomington, Indiana has been truly amazing, man. So thank you for being a shining light, an example for, for me, a young leader and so many other people. Let's take a second and kind of give a little bit of backstory. You know, for us, we've kind of known each other other here and there indirectly, but mainly, I mean, you've, you've been a part of my family in, in essence for many, many years, right? Absolutely. I grew up in a small neighborhood here in Bloomington and your grandparents were there. I knew of you when you were uh, a young boy, when you were uh, <laughs> uh, at Indiana University. So uh, you've been a part of my life, even when you weren't right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been great. And what's been neat is my, my brother lives in Bloomington and his right. his interactions with you is just said, man, I spent some time with Carrie today and it really blessed me. And I know that uh, we're going to jump into a little bit and talk about this brand new book that you have written called The Unlikely Discipler. And it's so good. And I think the way you live your life and the way you pour into other people is truly amazing. But I, before we get to the book, I want to just take a second and talk about your calling. It's 
it's so unique in the way that you live your life and the way that kind of your intersection between business and and Christ kind of intersect. But I want to just take a second and, and tell me a little bit about you. You know, we talked about you're from Bloomington, Indiana. You know, you got two boys, your wife, Julie. Can you give us the road? Where are you now? And kind of how'd you get there? Right now, I'm an empty nester, and Julie and I are just experiencing that for the first few months. Our youngest son, James, is a freshman at Xavier. Okay. Our oldest son, Joseph, just graduated from Indiana University. So we're experiencing empty nester life, and it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's been hard, and you guys are going to find out someday. Oh, someday. Decades yeah. from now. <laughs> These kiddos grow up pretty quick, but yeah, I've heard you know, that. you need to embrace every minute of it. That's it's what a, we hear. It's a great journey. It truly is. It That's is. awesome. Talk to me a little bit about the you know, the business that you're in and a hundred years of being the automotive with your family, that is just astonishing. I would love to catch a little bit more of that story. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I wrote the book, and we'll get to that in a minute, is that we're an anomaly. Business Mm -hmm. has been uh, there for 102 years. I'm the fourth generation. And typically in the business world, a business may survive the second generation owner, Mm -hmm. rarely survives the third, and really the fourth is an anomaly. And interestingly enough, my son Joseph, graduated from Indiana University, is coming on board with me. So we looks like we've got a fifth generation coming. That's amazing. So that's exciting. And it's a tough business like a lot of retail is. We do it a little bit differently. And I think that's what gives me passion to continue in the car business as well as embracing my ministry. That's so awesome, Carrie. You know, I've heard about you for a long time through Chris's family, and it was so great to finally meet you. I think it was last year, Mm -hmm. right? Because we came up to Indiana and actually got to come to your business, and we we were in need of a new car because (laughs) we were having another child. So we had to need more seats, man. We (laughs) needed another seat. It was so great to meet you, and I will never forget sitting down with one of your staff members and we were just having a great conversation and and we asked him about how he liked working with you and he said it wasn't really the car business that he was passionate about. He was passionate about working with you and that if tomorrow you walked in and said, we're going to start selling cardboard boxes, he would be on board with it because you were the leader that he wanted to follow. And that just so stuck with me about the kind of man you are and the kind of leader you are and the kind of atmosphere that you create in your business. Can you talk about that for a minute, how you pour into your staff and the environment that you create? Wow. Well, first of all, I probably need to go back in a little bit and give him a big hug. <laughs> Here's your Christmas you bonus. Yes. Yeah. And actually, as as you've read the book, you've probably seen that uh, Dan Smith, the gentleman that was yep. in front of you, was someone that I mentored at the dealership and invested a lot of time in to grow him to perhaps someday run the business if one of my sons wasn't interested. But uh, he's certainly going to be running the business with my son, Joseph. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I, I've tried to instill in my people is that the way that I treat my employees is a direct reflection of the way my employees are going to treat my customers. And that's huge. They're looking for consistency. If I'm nice to customers and my employees don't receive that same kind of love and respect from me, they're not going to model that with my customers. So that's so important, I think, in our business that I serve my employees well so that they serve my customers well. 
Man, that is so good, Carrie. It's so true. And I, we saw it firsthand. Yeah. And, you know, not just us. I mean, it's kind of one of those deals. You know, I know you're just going about your life doing what you do. But, I mean, how often do I look on social media and someone has tagged you and you're just out living out this this idea of serving others that you do in your business and you do in your life. And so, man, it's truly amazing. And so it kind of leads me to this next question about your calling. I love it. It seems very specific and very focused. And I think sometimes people often go, you know, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? Kind of talk us through what your calling is, how you found that, because we're all about taking risks, dreaming dreams and living life on purpose. And you are a person who is focused and you have your purpose. So kind of give us the how'd you get there? How'd you wind up with this calling? And really, how's it played out in your life? I love your using the word calling because I know that not everybody will feel a calling in their life, but I truly had a calling. I can almost define when it was. It was probably 12, 13 years ago. I was reading Psalm 71. Most people think of the Great Commission when they think of discipleship, Mm -hmm. but Psalm 71 says, um, even when I'm old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And that really struck me that we are called to invest in the next generation, to walk beside them, to disciple them, to bring them closer to the Lord. And that stuck with me. And of course, then, you know, reading the Great Commission and understanding that it's a command that we are to disciple and that we're to bring people closer to Christ. I wanted to do that. I felt called to do it. But I became in that little bit of that tension trap between here I am at work. Mm. Should I be at the church? I want to disciple, mm-hmm. but God completely paved the way in a way I didn't think would happen. That's amazing. We just have to look to him and let him guide us. But the greatest joy other than being a husband, father, serving the Lord is truly discipling college men and the opportunity that I've had at Indiana University to just be present. Yeah, that is that is amazing. And that is really, truly a rare gift. You know, I think we're all moving so fast and it's to be able to sit across from a person and first listen and then go, hey, let me show you who Christ is, how much Christ loves you and what his word says is so important. You know, when I was reading through the book, I, I came across a section where you talked about a little bit of the wrestle between being a successful businessman, really, like you said, fourth generation, and then this wrestle to possibly go into full-time ministry where you leave all that behind. And so I would love for you to take a second and unpack that for us and how big that moment was in your life and kind of what's come out on the other side of it. It was huge, guys. In fact, I wish you both had been in Bloomington so I could have counseled with you <laughs> during that time. <laughs> because, you know, the, the business, I, I loved it. But Uh I also felt this calling. And so I was doing junior high and high school ministry at at our church. And uh, there was an opening for a middle school minister. And I was working so closely with the high school minister and we were really partnering. So we were having lunch one day and I was really hoping that God would open that door for me to come along beside him and do middle school or high school ministry with him. And I remember sitting across from Jeremy Earl, who's about 10 years younger than me. And I remember him saying, well, Carrie, I know who we're looking for. It's got to be somebody younger than me. And I went, oh, mm. <laughs> I thought the door just shut. Mm. But wise people came along beside me and said, what do you love about your work? And I said, I love my employees. I love my customers. I love serving them. And they said, Carrie, you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. You can do ministry every day. And it doesn't have to be done within the walls of a church. 
Right. Embrace this opportunity that God's given you with a car dealership and do your ministry there. Build a great team and God will open more doors. And he did. There just happened to be opportunities for me to get in front of a couple of college guys on campus that were riding in the Little 500, notoriously, mm-hmm. you know, the most uh, crazy weekend on the campus. <laughs> on the planet. Absolutely. On the planet. Yeah. yeah. Yes, right. we've experienced it. <laughs> so, isn't it great how God works? So uh-huh. having gotten with these guys, uh, that just continued to grow. I didn't really pursue discipleship relationships. Young guys heard about my relationship with other guys and pursued me. And it grew into a full-blown ministry of discipling college men on the IU campus. And I always smile and say, God is alive and well at Indiana University. We just don't get to hear about it often as we hear about other things. Sure. (laughs) Boy, we hear about the other things. That's (laughs) that is for sure. And I and I'll say this, you know, I'm a testament to the fact that God is there, is that my life was not focused. Focused on Christ while I was there, but his hand of protection was on me because he knew that the calling he had on my life was a big one and I had a family and a future. And I may not have been living that way while I was on that campus, but I know God was there and he was waiting for the moment where everything was going to change. And so, so thank you for doing what you do in a place that people would just dismiss and say, no, God's not at work here, but he absolutely is. And, and guys like you doing that is unbelievably needed and phenomenal. So thank you for doing that. Now, I want to take a second, though, because one, I mean, like you said, you're a car dealer. I mean, like (laughs) car dealer and discipler (laughs) generally uh, don't go hand in hand. And so I think that's just such a cool, cool story that God's using you as someone who is selling cars and impacting people's lives that way. But what I want to do is I want to take a second and step back and look at the business side of this thing, specifically speaking of 2008, when everything went crazy, and you're talking about having faith in God and clinging to Him, when I read through the book, I mean, man, you went through the ringer. Just kind of, if you don't mind walking us through kind of that story and what that looked like in that time, because man, that had to have been crazy. Yeah, just reflecting back 10 years, just a lot was happening in my life. With General Motors, they filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So there was so much uncertainty about what the business was going to look like. And, you know, I'm caring for 100 plus employees who uh, are important to me. They're my family. So I knew I had to make sacrifices to keep them employed. I think they worried about whether they would have jobs, what my thoughts were. So I began writing them every paycheck, a letter telling them what I was thinking about, what was happening with General Motors, that we are a team. We're going to come out stronger on the other side. And there were sacrifices. Uh, I know you read about it. We all sacrificed together. And I think that brought us closer, made us a better team, that let us focus on the things that truly are important in life that God shares with us that sometimes when things are going really well, we just don't, we don't see those things. So in addition to that, my father had passed away. My mother was struggling with Alzheimer's. My wife had had three breast cancer surgeries. It felt like the world was tumbling, uh, you know, just tumbling all around me. But God never deserted me. He was there for me. His hand was on my shoulder and guided me. And I found strength through people at work. I found strength through my church. And then ultimately found strength in discipling. And God's been good. You know, on the other side of the valley, we see things more clearly. And he was preparing me for the next step of my life. And I'm thankful. Sometimes we have to get on our knees and thank God for allowing us to endure something because he had something to show us. And he certainly did for me. 
Absolutely. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that, Carrie. Um, one of the things that we like to encourage our listeners to do is to to grab some courage and jump out and take the risks that they feel like they're called to do. So in your journey, when you look back, did you ever have a moment or a season where you felt like God was calling you to step out and take a risk or a faith jump? Take us there and kind of talk us through what that looked like for you. I think the risk that I had to take business-wise was to do business differently to break mm-hmm. that stereotype mold. I share in the book, the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University is renowned for being a, one of the most successful business schools in placing graduates. But I've been asked to speak there many times. And typically when I'm asked to speak, it's about how a business gives back to the community on philanthropy, mm-hmm. on engaging in the community that supports you. And when uh, I have an opportunity, I tell the professor, don't tell him what I do. Because I said, <laughs> that's part of my talk. So, and and Jenny, you'll love this. This has never <laughs> failed. Whenever I'm in front of kids, I'll say, hey, I want to I wanna say a couple of words and lock in your first thought. Don't change it. We'll go around the room. We'll have some fun. So I say, car dealership, car salesman. And I will tell you guys, I have never yet heard a positive word. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so the risk was, how can I do business differently and break that mold? Because I want us to people to view our company as one that invests in the community, one that grows its employees, ones that serves its customers well, embraces all the things Christ modeled for us. How can we do that in a car dealership? And that was the risk that I was willing to take and change the way business is done. Man, that's so good. I love it. You know, what's cool is that you sit across from, I mean, these these young men who are getting ready to venture out into the world. And some of them are going to be entrepreneurs. Some are going to be working in the corporate world. Some are getting married, all that. And I think what's neat is you probably have the opportunity to see these guys as they start crafting and shaping who they are and who God's called them to be. And so I would love just take a second and like, what are some of the, maybe some of the things you're seeing as you sit across from these guys? Are there common themes? Is there something that kind of keep finding that this is kind of one of the nuggets of advice I'm giving these guys? You're going to step out of this world and they're going to fall down. They're going to get back up. They're going to take some risks. What advice do you generally find yourself kind of giving to these these young men that you're mentoring? uh, The first thing I like to do is just establish a relationship of trust. And that can sometimes come in a week. Sometimes it takes months to do that. But find out what their goals are. And I tell you, with, with guys that are pursuing discipleship, they just all want to grow closer to Christ and do life right. Typically, what happens on that journey is there are stumbling blocks. There are roadblocks. Mm-hmm. What's what's getting in the way? And those are the things that we address. And it could be, you know, our purpose. You know, I just don't know what my purpose is in life. It could be, and some of them are sad, you know, unfulfilled parents' expectations. You know, mm-hmm. they just don't Absolutely. feel like they're pleasing their parents. And we drill into these things. And and what I love to do is just let them put anything they want out on the table. There's no judgment from me. I just like to come along beside them and walk with them. I love to carry a burden. A lot of times there'll be something on their heart that I tell them that for the next week, you're going to have to try hard not to carry that burden because I get mm-hmm. to carry it. I get to pray over it. That's good. And when we get back together, wow. we'll talk about it. So I would say the number one is just my purpose. The world's telling everybody a lot of things. And sometimes we have to step back and examine our hearts and see what God's telling us to do. And to be bold in that, to be bold for what's true and right and pursue that. So um, I love the journey. 
I just love the journey and they're all different. There's just no recipe for discipleship. It's a journey. They're individual journeys, but Christ is obviously at the center of all of it. And that's what we keep in mind. And we just, we walk together. I love it. That's so great. Tell us a little bit more about the unlikely discipler. How did it come about and what are you hoping that people get out of it? Well, I think there were three main goals when I started writing a couple years ago. One was I wanted to share a business story, you know, like we talked about, 102 years, four generations, which is an anomaly. And I thought, you know, it's a piece of history worth sharing. And for no other reason, if no one read the book but my sons and their families and future Curry generations, that would be good enough. But I wanted to put Mm -hmm. that down because it is an interesting story. And then I wanted to share uh, the tension that I experienced with the intersection of work and faith. Uh, and how I was able to work through it and marry the two together. And then thirdly, and probably the most important reason, is to share my calling to disciple. And I felt that the church in general didn't embrace it that much. You know, probably Mm. people feel like the senior pastor is responsible for discipling everybody who walks through the door. And that truly, (laughs) truly is not what Jesus said in Matthew 28 or what David said in Psalm 71, that we're all responsible as followers to walk beside the next generation and disciple them. So by telling my story and then by having some of the guys that I discipled share their stories, I'm hoping that people will read that and go, oh my gosh, I could be doing this. I could be investing in a life. The blessing that I've received far probably outweighs the blessing that the guys I've discipled has received. So uh, that's just what I'm hoping to put on people's hearts. Yeah, that is that is amazing. You've probably seen, I mean, I think I saw in there some some athletes and some different genres, backgrounds, futures, talents. Uh, give me a little bit of kind of that breadth of the guys that you find yourself sitting across from. Wow. It's as diverse as you can imagine. Whether it's, um, you mentioned an athlete, uh, I've been walking closely with Derek Elston, who was an IU basketball player who's come back to coach, going to be officiating his wedding next year. And what an opportunity to grow him as he coaches these college boys who are so focused on basketball to allow him to maybe share with them a wider perspective of life. So I've had kids on uh, little 500 bike teams. I've had kids that are focused on music, different things. And what we try to do is find out how we can take our passions and grow those, but also have Christ at the center of everything. And it's, as I say, every journey is a great journey. Being able to walk with them during their stages of life is huge. Yeah, that's great. Gosh, I I wish we could sit and talk forever. (laughs) You know, your life and your story. And thank you for sharing everything you have, Carrie. It's just truly been amazing. Before we wrap this thing up, we'd love to ask kind of three quick questions of what's going on in your life. What's the book that has changed your life? What's a spiritual discipline or habit that's made a big difference in your life? And what's one piece of advice you'd give the younger you? Wow. Great questions. Uh, book, The Rhythm of Life by Matthew Kelly. I met Matthew on a speaking tour in 2003. He was promoting that book, and my life was overwhelmed like we had talked about with a wife with struggling with breast cancer, a father dying of cancer, a mother with Alzheimer's. And The Rhythm of Life really challenged me to look at life's journey to discover peace and become the best version of myself. It's a book mm-hmm. of encouragement, but it just basically tells us to slow down, take a deep breath, and see things the way that God would want us to see it and discover peace in all circumstances. And I go back to that book often, and I give out that book often. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm going to have to look that one up. Absolutely. 
All right, spiritual discipline or habit that's made the biggest difference in your wow, life. That's that's so interesting you bring up spiritual disciplines because I've been using Richard Foster's book, A Celebration of Disciplines, with several of my college uh, guys on their discipleship journey. And the book, it examines all the disciplines, the inward ones of prayer, fasting, meditation, study, those mm-hmm. outward ones, simplicity, solitude. But the two that I think have impacted my life the most is the combination of the meditation and prayer. One thing I love to do is take uh, the college guys to an isolated place, a place where uh, you know you really experience God's grandeur, like a woods, or we've got Lake Monroe here in Bloomington. I give them a sealed envelope with scripture to meditate on and started thoughts for them to consider in prayer. And it's amazing to just be in in the stillness, away from the internet, away from any noise, and just focus on time with our creator. So I would say prayer and meditation, seeking out solitude is the spiritual discipline that uh, has grown me and that I've watched that happen with these guys. In fact, they'll always say, wow, we need to do this again sometime. And we just don't find time in this crazy, hectic world to do that. Right. That's so good. Yeah. We were just talking the other day about how important it is to get outside and let our eyes just kind of behold God's creation and, and how important that is for the health of our souls. It, it's so really, good. It's just to sit there and just say to yourself, what am I seeing? Yeah. What am I hearing? Yeah. I'm hearing birds. I'm seeing mm-hmm. leaves turn colors, things we don't we don't even think about every day. So I think it is important. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Leaves turning colors. That's probably it <laughs> oh, yeah. here in Texas that, they just kind you? of fall off the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Up there, it's the most beautiful it thing. It you is. Know, Indiana does Southern it really Indiana well. Southern Indiana in the in the fall is amazing. I'll send you some pictures. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I guess you just have to come and buy another car, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. So, last question. What's one piece of advice you would give to the younger oh, you? Gosh. Well, I'm smiling really as, as you ask that because <laughs> this is the advice that I give my sons. Honestly, I wish that someone had given me this advice when I was their age. You know, on life's journey, there's just so many decisions to make. And in our minds, I can justify anything in my mind on my own. And I know they can too. So when uh, I'm always humbled when my boys come and say, dad, what should I do about? And I always stop Mm -hmm. them and I say, I'm going to tell you my opinion, but I want you to seek two other opinions of people that you respect that have similar values as you do. And I said, if you seek two other opinions, combine it with mine, you'll come up with the right decision. And I think that that's a good advice for my sons, for anyone, because sometimes you don't just want to hear what dad has to say. But if you seek other sure. other voices, God will speak loud and clear. That's so good, Carrie. I love that. You know, one of the things that I like to tell guys is, um, especially guys that have a son, and they're like, they can't figure out their decision. They don't know what to do. I just said, what advice would you give your son? If it wasn't you right. and your son was in the same environment, like what advice would you give That's him? Great, and Chris. sometimes it helps people to step out of their they're so kind of buried by everything. Mm-hmm. So, no, that is such – I love that. Go find two more right. people. Like, yeah. let's just – there is wisdom. The Bible talks about it. You know, there's wisdom and counsel and a multitude of counsel, having multiple people around you. And so you are living it out by giving them yeah, that example. Absolutely. Man, Carrie, thank you so much yeah. for being here. Hey, guys, this has been great to catch up with you. And uh, I just want to see you now. So <laughs> we've got to – Yeah. Gotta figure out how to, I, I, 
got to come your way or you've got to come mine. Yes. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Well, Texas is always open for you and your family, especially now that you're an empty nester, man. It's time to yeah. it's time to go out there and go, go on some trips, yeah. man. So get out and about. Well, again, thank you, Carrie, for being here with us, man. You have blessed us so much. And thank you for being a great example in my life personally. And I know people are going to be blessed by it. Guys, go pick up the book, Unlikely Discipler. It's on Amazon yeah. and we'll have it linked in the show notes. It is a great book for anybody out there who has a heart for discipleship, mm-hmm. wants to be discipled. What does it look like to be discipled? And then even those of us who are in the business world who are going, how do I represent Christ and at the same time be a strong businessman? And so thank you again, Carrie, for setting the example, carrying the flag, and, and just really being a great man of God. We love you, man. We appreciate you so much. Thanks, man. I'm so humbled you'd have me on and love you guys. Can't wait to see you. Absolutely. All right. Thank Take you. Care. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I just want to be like Carrie Curry when I grow up. (laughs) He's so incredible. Oh, gosh. What an incredible conversation. I just learned so much from him, and I literally feel like a better person after listening to him share about his life and just teaching us all his wisdom. Gosh, what a gift and what an amazing man. We love him so much. Guys, make sure you go and get his book. It really is good, and you're going to love it. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for listening. It's always so great to have you guys on here, hear your feedback, and we would love for you to take a second and go subscribe, rate and review the podcast and this week we want to take a second and show some love to somebody who reviewed the podcast so today's review comes from clarence 281 he says this podcast is amazing the vision and chemistry these two have is so blissful and a joy to listen to chris and jenny are definitely a blessing to all of us and give hope to those that are seeking direction and purpose in life thank you for your inspiration i am so looking forward to each and every podcast thanks for the review yeah thanks for the review clarence that is so great and for all of you who leave reviews it means the world to us and for spreading the word thank you so much absolutely and as always guys you can find out all the info for today's episode in our show notes over at our website onelife.work slash podcast we'll have the books that carrie recommended and also of course his book that you can pick up the unlikely discipler absolutely well guys that's a wrap on this episode thanks so much for hanging in with us we love <laughs> you so much and remember you only have one life live, live it, it well, well.